0: It has been quite the week. I told Ron and Crystal this morning that, uh, oh, thank you. Come on, I got the oh, I, I love you. I love you. Um, I told Ron and Crystal this morning, it's, it's been a rugged last half of the week. I did not sleep a wink, so it was going to either be really good or really bad this morning. <laughs> and they rebuked me to my face. And they said, brother, it is only going to be really good. So I have decided that Ron and Crystal are my honorary uh, cheerleaders this morning. (laughs) And uh, every good preacher needs a cheerleader, a fan club. Amen. It is always a delight to be with you this morning. Um, Always an honor to uh, be the one to share a few thoughts with you. Uh, Never something that we take lightly. So uh, I pastored Grace Point Church for 13 or 14 years, something like that. And uh, for a man to give up his pulpit is a big deal. And uh, so I appreciate it, Johnny, I really do. Uh, If you have ever heard me uh, minister here before... Uh, you know that uh, culture is my buzzword. Uh, the one another's is my theme. And uh, we're going to talk about maturity this morning and how that uh, ties in in this rooted series. Uh, uh, being that I may not be at my best physically this morning, I thought I'd just go straight to the second closing. Uh, And you know what the second closing means, right? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Whew. Wow. Um, One of the problems we have when we talk about maturity and when we understand that what maturity really is, is it's going through, first off, a reconciliation process where you get reconnected with your Heavenly Father, right? Then you go through a transformation process of which you get healing and restoration. You change your identity. And and the process of maturity is, is all of that, but it goes beyond that into the place where you see yourself like him. You were made in his image. You were made to be like him. You were made to be one of him with flesh. Now, that's a little far out there for normal church thinking. But what does made in his image mean? I am the image of my Father. I carry His genetics. I carry His name. I carry His nature. I carry His looks. I I talk the way my Father raised me to talk. I think the way my Father raised me to think. I'm another one of my Father except in this body. Why would it be any different spiritually? Our difficulty is in all of this is that we see ourselves as human. We see ourselves as less than. We see ourselves as separate. We see ourselves as different. We see ourselves in a time warp continuum where someday we'll be with him. Roy, I told you I was going to step on your toes today. You getting this? I love my brother Roy. You need someone to pray with you, you just find Brother Roy after service. We call ourselves the family of God that meets as New Life Church. And the first challenge of that is, do we see ourselves as family? Because if we are all connected to our Heavenly Father, we truly are all brothers and sisters. And that's where the concept of the one another's that are practiced within the context, first off in family, comes into play. We love one another, we encourage one another, we serve one another. All the other one another's that go on with that, I'm too tired to think of them this morning. (laughs) We gather here this morning as the family of God that meets his new life church, and yet outside these walls, what is one of the common Refrains that we hear. Well, they're just full of hypocrites over there. And this is totally off the message this morning, but let's deal with that concept for a moment. (laughs) Are they right? Are we? Are we hypocrites? Are we not what we claim to be? Are we not during the week what we look to be on Sunday? Is there a difference in our attitudes, our mannerisms, our behaviors, our relationships, our choice of words when we're gathered together than what there is when we're outside the family meeting? Why are you here this morning? Some of you are here because that's what you've done for 40 years. You can't think of anything else, unless you're on a cruise, (laughs) of being here. This is what we do on Sunday morning. Some of you have forgotten why you originally came. Is there anybody in the building this morning that remembers when you first went to church? You remember that moment in time when you got up and you said, wow. Ouch. (laughs) Wow. I think I'm going to do something totally out of the box today. I'm going to go to church I'm going to give up my old way of life. I'm going to become radically changed and different. I will never be the same as today. And I'm going to discover who that person is as I go along the process. That's what I'm going to do. You got your phone out. I started to say yellow pages, but I dated myself. You get your phone out, and you start looking up churches, and you start clicking on the little website icon, and you start figuring out, where am I going to go? Oh, new life, that looks, that, 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 that looks cool. They're not too big, they're not too small, they're not too bright. They got those muted gray tones. I think I could slip in there in the shadows and be comfortable. Now, it's probably not how it happened, is it? Probably what happened is you came into a critical life situation. And in your heart of hearts, you would never say it out loud because someone might hear you. But in your heart of hearts, what you said was, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Man, I need some help. If there is a God, you know what? I am desperate enough, I will even try church. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe your spouse came home with lipstick on the collar. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you gave birth to a baby and it was a disabled child. Maybe you figured out you couldn't handle the drug habit any longer. Maybe you just decided that, that your mannerisms is how you how you are in your character and how you deal with people. You were just tired of not even being able to have a cotton picking friend anymore. You're tired of being isolated. I gotta find some place that will accept me. And you were desperate enough. You went to church. Now I know there's Philipew Sundays. Well, there's not Philipew Sundays anymore. There's fill a row of chairs Sundays, right? There's all kinds of gimmicks to get people to come visit church and we hope that they get hooked somehow once they get here. But we don't really do much of that anymore, do we? About a year and a half ago is when Don and I first came here. Seems like we've been here forever, but it's only about a year and a half. And on a Sunday morning back then, there was only half this many sometimes less between doing COVID and church changes and whatnot. It's exciting to see this many people here this morning. It really is. I'm not entirely sure, but I think we have, by my last count this morning, about 70 here, and we've had 80 plus the previous four Sundays. God is doing something and moving in our midst. <laughs> we, got, we got my Hot Wheels brothers over here that came a few weeks ago. They're incognito because they're not in their Hot Wheels meeting clothes today. You may not have recognized them. Quintessa, we've known for a long, long time. When Quintessa gets in trouble, Pastor Wayne, Mama Donna, can I talk to you? Here's our problem. And by the way, I will have a scripture sooner or later, okay? This will be a spiritual message this morning. Here's our problem. We come to church For the first time, typically because of a life issue, a pain, a trauma, a transition, you know, someone died, we're not handling our grief well, divorce, kid problems, work problems, addiction problems, whatever they are, we we, we come to church and what we experience is something a little different. It doesn't have the same stress. It doesn't have the same depressing push down on us. It's, it's a little time away, so to speak. It's a, it's a mini vacation emotionally. You with me? There's people that smile at us. Yeah, right. Well, most of them anyway. <laughs> we develop some new friends that don't hold our past against us because they don't know our past. And we didn't have to tell them on the first Sunday. And we sort of get drawn in a little bit, and we get a little glimmer of hope, and we go, "Ah." and that "Ah," is what brings us back. The worship might help, the preaching might help, Someone taking you out to dinner might help. But it was a, it's like when you take two extra strength arthritis Tylenols and about 25 minutes later when they start to kick in and you go, that kind of ha. It's the ha that brings you back. Now what happens is, on Sunday number one and on Sunday number two, usually still on Sunday number three, you are all in. This is awesome. This is stinking awesome. I got to get me some more of this. God, you can have my life. You can turn me around. Oh, I give it all to you, God. Oh, deliver me. But about Sunday Four, about Sunday 5, we've started getting comfortable with our new level of comfort. And the pressure's not the same, and the stress not the same, and the depression's not the same, and the isolation is not the same, and everything is a little bit better, and we go, you know what? I don't have to keep my foot on the gas anymore. We don't say it out loud to God cuz he'd hear us. You know, he can't hear our thoughts. He can only hear what we say out loud, right? That's why we always got to pray out loud. We don't say, "God, I'm 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 good with what I got. Just let me stay here for a while. I'm good." Wow. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize how good I was. <laughs> you all hear what I'm saying? And we stopped pressing through. So, let's be spiritual. Let's read a scripture verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you pay attention on Sunday mornings and if you remember what's preached around here, you remember that this verse was used by Pastor Johnny two weeks ago on April the 23rd. Was that, that was two weeks ago, right? Okay, Johnny read the scripture. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. Now, he read it in the NLT and I'm reading in the New King James because I'm older than him. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I believe Johnny's words were, if you go back and rewatch the video, when I grew up. He spent some time that morning on the concept, when I grew up. I was sharing with a young man last night the difference between potential and ceiling. You all know the difference between potential and ceiling? Potential is God-given. Every man, woman has a capacity to operate in the image of God with certain gifts and callings and talents and abilities and they have personality that affects that and God sort of puts that all together in the womb when when he matches you with a mom and a dad and, and, and creates this person with purpose and he puts potential together. But sealing... is (laughs) self-imposed. In fact, the way I illustrated it last night is, the person I was talking to, I said, you're this tall. You have this much potential. But you can choose to live your whole life (laughs) at a ceiling level of this. that's your choice you can come into the church you can get reconciled to your heavenly father you get some immediate pain relief you can gather together some hope from your previous state of hopelessness go with me and go second floor is good Might be a 12-story building. Gives whole new meaning to the phrase, their elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. (laughs) you got 12-story potential, but you've never seen floors 3 through 12. You've never looked out over the city and seen with real vision. Because you've always been stuck in an interior room on the second floor rejoicing that you're no longer messing with the busyness and the filth and the noise and the disturbances of ground floor activity. Hmm. Let's talk about, we're going to get really spiritual now. Let's talk about Newton's first law of motion. or maybe more often called inertia, okay? An object at rest, state of inertia, remains at rest, and an object in motion, kinetic, remains in motion at constant speed unless and until moved upon by an outside force. Inertia is simply the tendency to remain unchanged. You know what makes pastors lay awake at night and not sleep? It's not how many people were in attendance. It's not on what the offering was. It's not by who called to complain about the level of the sound or the length of the service. What keeps preachers awake at night is the nagging, weighing thought of looking out at their people and going while they're trying to sleep and seeing faces and understanding their potential and realizing the ceiling that they live in. What we tell people that come to our Grace Transformation House program the thing that kills Don and I on the inside is when we want it for them more than they want it for them. When we can see what they can be and they have no desire to be what they can be. Ooh. It tears you apart. We deal with a lot of these subject matters, by the way, on Tuesday nights at 6.30 in a Radical Life Transformation program. And we're into a section right now on healing the hurts of our past, and I would would double-dog dare you. Thank you. We're going to add you to the cheerleading team. If you have a fractured soul, if you have a fractured home, if you have some fractured relationships, if you're confused about who you really are and what your potential is, I would encourage you Tuesday to tonight at 6.30 be here. I double dog dare you. Shameless promotion, I know. The context of what we're talking about today is, is spiritual maturity. So knowing that I was supposed to start with a joke or some self-deprecating fact about myself, because that's how preachers are trained to preach, right? And I didn't really do that. I got all serious to start with. So Uh, (laughs) we have Newton's first law of motion. So uh, when we talk about the law of spiritual maturity, I thought we'd have the Wayne Newton law of spiritual maturity. Just don't ask me to sing. I only do that in Vegas. One must heal the fractured soul to break the force of inertia, thereby allowing sequential and incremental movement towards emotional and spiritual maturity in Christ. I made that up. I think it sounds pretty good. Johnny, I encourage you, oh, what, about five or six weeks ago now, to buy a book. I bought the whole series, so I can't remember which book he, of that series he, he encouraged you to, to get. But the theme of every book in this series is this. <laughs> Until you heal the fractured soul, you'll never be who God intends you to be spiritually. What we find at our house is until you heal the fractured soul, you'll never fully conquer your addiction. Until you heal your fractured soul, you'll never have peace in your relationships. Until you heal your fractured soul, you will never be the type of employee or entrepreneur that you are capable of by potential. Until you heal the fractured soul, you'll never be the mentor that God has called you to be because the fullness of spiritual maturity is the capability and the ability and the availability to be a disciple maker. Now I know I lost a third of my audience right there because a third of my audience just said, Well, Pastor Wayne, that just ain't for me. Well, stop lying to yourself. That's for you. I lost another third of the audience because they said, well, that's what Jesus did, and I ain't he. That's for the pastor and the elders, and I ain't them. And besides, don't you know anything about the priesthood of the believer, they're on their own. Funny how we can twist Scripture to say anything we want it to mean. The truth is, yes, Jesus is the disciple maker. But you are the mentor, the encourager that speaks human words to human ears. You heard about the little girl that jumped in bed with the mama when the thunderstorm hit, right? And the mama shooed her back to her bed. Don't worry about it, Jesus is with you. Second time, thunder clap hits and little girl jumps back. Mommy, I'm afraid. Oh, go back to bed. Jesus is with you. And the third time, the thunderclap hit, and the little girl jumped in bed with her mommy, and by this time, she's exasperated, and she starts saying, look, I told you, gee, and the little girl interrupts her, puts her hand over her mouth, and says, mama, this time I need someone with skin on. <laughs> hey, Jesus is able to show up by the Spirit of God like he did with Saul on the road to Damascus. Like... Jesus did in the flesh with all of the disciples in Luke 4 and, and, and uh, Matthew 4, okay? Everybody has the ears, everybody has the capacity to hear his voice, and he speaks to all of us. But how many know we were created in fellowship, to need fellowship? We were needed to need each other. The first thing God made was the family. And what does a family do? A family hugs. That's why we hug around here. Y'all weren't huggers when I came like you are now. Now people who say, we don't hug, guess what they do? They hug. They don't even put up a fight anymore. They just hug. I will win. I will love you past the point of your pain. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, in the ESV says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. (laughs) You weren't ready. Time has gone by. You've had more contact from me. You're still not ready. Even now you're not ready. What do we have a picture of? We have inertia. We came into church. We became a babe in Christ. We're on the milk. Every week we have to be reminded God loves us. Every week we have to be reminded it's going to be okay. Every week we have to tell you again, God loves you. You're going to get through this. No? Y'all are spiritually mature and I'm the only one struggling with this, right? What does it go on to say? For a while there is jealousy and strife among you. You know what jealousy and strife are? They're signs of emotional immaturity. They're signs of a fractured soul. Why? Why? Is there not spiritual maturity in the Corinthian church? Because they have a fractured soul. They haven't got healing in their emotions. They haven't got healing in their relationships. They haven't got healing in the way they think. And they can't grow in Christ to the level of maturity that is their potential. They have created an artificial ceiling of maturity. Or immaturity. And they're going to have to have healing to get past that. And it says, are you not of the flesh behaving only, oh this is so good, behaving only in a human way? What did I say at the beginning in my first closing? We have difficulty thinking in terms of spiritual maturity because the spiritual maturity is being able to live as him as his image and we are human our logic thought process says well that's not even possible so why try anything you are convinced you cannot do you will not expend the effort or the time or the determination to even attempt so if i cannot be spiritually mature I'll just hang out with you guys. Because about every six weeks, you get a free meal around here. (laughs) If your concept that you're human and you're not as him affects your ability to think that you could be a disciple maker. That you could actually have influence in other people's lives who don't know Christ to the depth or length or freedom that you know Christ. You've created an artificial ceiling that limits your potential. Anybody with me? So I have come up with what I think are four levels of spiritual maturity. First off, there's the use. Unaware, undiscovered, unavailable. If you don't know your Heavenly Father, spiritual maturity is unavailable because you are unaware of its existence and you're unaware of your design. The use. Second level, is like the child level. I remember remember that uh, there was a time in the Gospels when parents were bringing their children to Jesus to touch and to bless. And the disciples were saying, hey man, we got things to do, places to see. We got an agenda to fill out here. Come on. Go away, come again another time. He said, no, let him come. We'll change our schedule. I asked you earlier today, why do you come? Why are you here? Some of you, coming on Sunday morning is critically important because you have no real relationship with God on your own in the privacy of your home. And so you come looking for that touch, that feeling that you get while Jeremy's leading worship. That feeling you get when someone hugs your neck across the aisle. That feeling you get as we close the service and you feel the presence of the Lord settling in, speaking to you. But it's like when you leave out of here, that's gone. might get myself in trouble for this, but what's new? What's the draw of a Nigel meeting? And I speak, almost every time I speak, I make some reference to Nigel's meeting. But what's the draw of a Nigel's meeting? Because he's going to call us up front. He's going to lay hands on us. He's going to give us a word. What are we? We're adult versions of the children that were lined up for Jesus to touch and to bless. And then we go home. And we become the very thing we despise in our grandparents. I remember back in 1935, I was in a tent meeting over in Des Moines, Iowa, and oh, the place was packed full and the Word of God was so good, God showed up and He just slayed everybody in the Spirit. Woo, that's when I had a touch from God. That was 1935, and it's 2023. It's been 90 years since you had a touch from God. Second level of maturity. Level three is the transition stage. I'm going to remember when when Jesus was about twelve. Mary and Joseph had been in for one of the festivals, and their few days journey out of town on their way back home, and they discover that Jesus is not with them. Finally, someone goes back, finds him. He catches up. Where you been? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? He was, he was back at the temple with the, with the priest. He was in discussion. He was asking questions. You know, the Jesus that had 30 that unveiled himself with the calling of disciples and, and the miracle of turning water into wine happened because at age 12 Jesus was gathered having a focused discussion on figuring out who he was. You know the problem with modern day church, one of the problems with this morning is that this is a one-way conversation. My heart longs for the day when I can stand here and minister like this and then we can dismiss those people that want to leave. Then I can sit on the edge right here and I can ask question, answer questions. And I can ask you questions. And we can dig deep into figure out who you are because when you know who you be guess what, everything that you do flowing out of who you be begins to change and the problem is we get tired of church because our doing doesn't change and we deal with this guilt that we're not free and not safe to talk about my life is not going I've not matured like I thought I would I, 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 I Paul said it this way, the things that I want to do, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Paul understood the struggle. But the clearer your identity comes of who God made you to be, the stronger your identity becomes, the more your doing naturally changes. And that frustration and that had angst that guilt that you deal with, that you're not who you should be yet, and yet you've been at it this long, guess what? It begins to melt away. Finally, there comes a spot. Not necessarily that you've got it all together, because if we wait till we have it all together, guess what? We probably will never make any serious moves Of ministry, But there is a place of being a disciple maker that I think should be the goal for every individual. And maybe not that you've got 20, 30 folks that you can say, I I led them into the faith. I led them through reconciliation. I led them through healing of their fractured soul. I led them through transformation. I led them into a knowledge of God. I I created 20, 30 more mini-me's. Maybe that's not how it works in your life. but you have influence. You have an example to live out of what you have gained from God, what you've experienced, the transformation in your life, that people will come to you and say, hey, I came home early from my work trip because I didn't go to the golf course and do the 18 holes with them. And I found another man in bed with my wife. I know you've been through divorce. I know your family's been tore up. And you seem to have it all together. How the H do you do it? Because that's how real people talk. You better be prepared to listen to real talk from real people and real problems. And not be offended. Because the scripture says, be ready to give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that is in you. What it is that God has done in your life has been done because that's what God wants to do in your life. His nature and character wants to heal everything that's in you. But the other side of that coin is He does that in your life because He needs your voice to say, this is what God does. Trust Him. now I get to my final closing John chapter 5 there's a paralytic at the pool of Bethesda y'all remember the story been there a lot of years he was stuck in a state of inertia I know he had a fractured soul if for no other reason than When Jesus asked him why he was still there, the man said, I have no man. (laughs) He had enough relationship to get him there. He didn't have enough relationship to get him from there. That's why we need disciple makers. It's not enough to get someone to church. We got to get some people out of church. Here's the thing we have to analyze for our individual lives. How long have you been in the place you are? I don't care what level of spiritual maturity you think you're in, in your own self judgment this morning. How long have you been in that place? You might be one of the leaders of this church but how long have you been in that place this might be your first Sunday here how long have you been in the place you're at that brought you here you might have been here for 30 years how long have you been in that place without change how long have you been in some state of inertia you understand the question that I'm asking I'm not asking Dale how long he sat in that chair. I'm asking Dale how long he's been the Dale that he is right now without change. And I'm only picking on you, Dad, because I know I can't, okay? Every one of us has to answer that question. No one can answer that question for us. The truth is, the only man you need is you. Because Jesus didn't call a man to come and pick the man up. He spoke to the man, and he said, get up. Friends, get up. Pick up your bed, friends. Now go from this place. it is incumbent on us to take our comfort zone there's an old psychology book that says I'm okay you're okay anybody know the book? I'm okay you're okay the problem is when we put the truth serum in us I ain't okay And guess what? We are all alike. You're not okay either. Don and I have worked with homeless people and people coming out of addiction for years and years. You know, there's no difference between people who are homeless with drug addiction and people in church on Sunday morning. They all have fractured souls. They all have broken relationships. They all have disappointments. They all have pain. They all have trauma. They all have family members they can't speak to. They all have a laundry list of things that trouble them that they wish they'd have made a different decision in the moment. They all have a picture of what they think they could have been, but because of their ceiling, they've never attained to. And it troubles them. We all have the same temptation. The human race is not different because you have a roof over your head. Broken people are broken people. What is incumbent upon us as a people is that as a family of God that meets His New Life Church, we create a culture that says, A, this is a safe place. <laughs> this is a safe place to be authentic in revealing who you are because nothing hidden ever gets healed this is a place to have authentic relationships that we know we are all in the fragility of the flesh but we have all been called to live not as humans but as him The goal is for every one of us to gather together and say, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in this body. And I am his thought. I am his love. I am his voice. I am his care. I am his compassion. I am his integrity. I am His healing. I am His wholeness. I am His hope. I am His voice in the darkness of this world. I'm going to ask you to stand. Bow your head for a moment. I'll tell you what time it is. It's 1157. The Golden Corral already has a line, so. You might as well just hang out here and love on your family and love on God. Wait till the line goes down, okay? My question today is, are you tired of your comfort zone? Are you tired of doing church in what I call Sunday face? Johnny did a series on the masks that we wear. told a story in Radical Life Transformation one night. My mother, when she was a deathbed asthmatic and medications for asthma weren't like they are now, she could be in blue lips and blue fingernails from lack of oxygen, not be able to turn her head on the pillow because she was so weak from lack of air. She could take all her inhalers, she could take her medicine, and in 10 minutes my mother could rise up out of the bed in near superhuman strength and whatever she was upset with on the inside whatever she was thinking about on the inside whatever trauma had risen up to the surface in that moment when she arose in that human superhuman strength she could go after my father now understand my mother was a godly saint But there was a season of my mother's life when she wasn't there in her spiritual maturity, and she was a very fractured soul. Are you listening to me? And one night, I saw my mother rise up in a rage, streaming accusing my father of being more loyal to his folks than he was to her. That hadn't happened to anybody in here. We don't have any of those type fights. And if we did, we'd never know about it because we do what? We come to church with Sunday face. I saw my mother literally claw and scratch flesh off my father's back. I saw my mother who... A few minutes earlier couldn't lift her head off the pillow rip my father's undershirt off his back i saw my mother pull the towel bar out of the wall and beat my father across the shoulders and the back of the head with a towel bar until she exhausted that superhuman strength she collapsed in the bed And my father went to the bed and laid hands on her and prayed with her. Audrey, I love you. Audrey, I love you. Audrey, I love you. It's going to be okay. I need you to hear me. Audrey, I love you. See, we would never tell that story in church. Because that ain't safe. We'd never tell that story in church because people would think ill of us. (laughs) If we were a church leader and that was in our story, we'd be removed from leadership. People wouldn't want to sit by us. They certainly wouldn't want to invite us into their home where we could have real authentic relationship. talk about what God was doing in our lives and what our potential was to be healed. And the fact that in spite of all the hell in our life, we had a dream that God would just use us. Are you hearing me today? It's It's incumbent upon us to create a culture that this is a safe place, that we are committed to each other and that we are going to encourage each other to go on with God, to be all that God has called each one of us to be. And if it means making a confession to get it out in the open, to begin the wellspring of healing, to rise up and that says, you know what, I got an anger issue, I got a root of bitterness, I have a control issue. You know what? I was in love with my wife 30 years ago when we got married. But for some reason, I talk to her like a dog now, and I don't know why. There's something in me that's got to be fixed. Brother, would you pray with me? Brother, would you remember me? Brother, would you encourage me? Brother, can I count on you? Two are better than one, because when one falls down, the other can help them up. What kind of people do we want to be? What kind of people are we this morning? If you're looking at me in the glare of these lights this morning, you're saying, Pastor Wayne, I'm tired of being stuck where I'm at. I'm tired of wearing Sunday face. I'm tired of having a fractured soul. I'm tired of a self-imposed ceiling. I'm tired of not being able to function in a place of ministry I know God has, has called and set me apart for. I want you to step out where you're at right now and hustle your way down to this front. You're tired of being in the place you're in. It's time to pick up your comfort zone. It's time to move your address to a different place that says, I want all that God has for me. I want to be healed from the beginning of my first trauma to the one that was most recent. I want every root of bitterness pulled out of I want some real relationships. I want to be able to hear God's voice above the voice of self-condemnation and guilt. If nothing else, I want to be a safe place for someone to talk and to visit. Have I touch base with anybody in here this morning. Step out.